Okay. Hello and welcome. Hey, Steve, guess what? This is episode 10. Episode 10. Dude, we're in double digits. We made it to a decade of excellence here. Welcome to Chops Podcast, a podcast about knowing your teaching, knowing your content, and knowing your students with your two aspiring music education co-hosts. I'm Jack Hinkle here with... My name is Steve Peterson. And thank you for being here for week 10. Thank you. So just a little update where we are in the school year. Jack, we are now in the middle of the 23-24 school year. School started last school Wednesday. started. And uh, just to let you know, I moved Jacob, my youngest son, into Purdue. Whoop, whoop, boiler okay. up, and he moved in. And we are now almost empty nesters. And we um, have started Concord. We just finished our fifth day. And marching band is bopping along. I'm into AP theory, piano, jazz band. And you got? Boom, I'm teaching beginning orchestra here with um, also music theory. And I'm teaching jazz band and marching band as well yep and it is hot this week yeah. Steve. yep this is the hot week and uh tomorrow is supposed to get a little bit more smoky and taking care of the kids and trying to make the best use of our time so it's good to be here we're inside a new studio today yeah. this is my office we had been in a practice room and um we're switching it up yeah and you know talking about heat yeah you know this um this heat you know some people might see it as a problem but we could see it as an opportunity I think you could see it as opportunity and work close. Fascinating. Where'd you hear that before, Steve? Well, let me tell you. On the other line, we have our guest for today, Mr. Ken Snook. And Ken is a retired band director that I got to know through the Lake Park Schools High School in the fall of 1990 when I was a student at DePaul University. Ken was my cooperating teacher, and I was under his leadership from July through the middle of December. And I don't even know how many weeks that was because the expectation <laughs> was from Ken Snook who said, Steve, this is gonna be the ultimate student teaching experience. Ultimate? So, because I started during band camp and I left the day before Midwest um, all the way in December and I was expected to be at everything Ken was from booster meetings to staff meetings to staff cookouts to um, rehearsals, band camp, uh, parent teacher conferences, parent conferences, everything. And um, I was there and didn't know what a lasting and monumental impact that time would be in um, shaping my career as an educator and specifically Mr. Ken Snook who I can probably call one of my uh, top mentors and a person who I value his friendship as well. And we've been able to uh, uh, keep our friendship going over the years and it's, he's been a wonderful friend and uh, professional resource and I've always enjoyed talking to Ken. So Ken, welcome. Um, where are you talking to us today from, Ken? I'm talking to you from beautiful Roselle, Illinois. Oh, Roselle, so you're, you're near Schaumburg, correct? Yes, okay. just just south of Schaumburg, next suburb south. Gotcha. And uh, we are we are trying something new here with our video audio procedure. But Ken, we're really glad to have you uh, with us today. And Tim Lautzenheiser, who we do reference quite a bit on our show as being a master teacher and a master um, 
innovator of working with students has called you one of the world's smartest people. <laughs> which which merely means that he doesn't know very many people. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so um, this is going to be a time where Ken is going to give us a little bit of uh, background, a little bit of the Ken Snook story about his his journey in music education and what inspired him and what brought him to his career, what his career was, and you know up to what you're doing today. So, Ken, welcome to the podcast. We're really grateful for you to take the time out and what's your story Ken? My story uh, I grew up in a Detroit suburb of Rose uh, Roseville and which means I started in Roseville and ended in Roselle. Uh, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't get very far. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get very far we just moved some letters around uh, but uh, I, I grew up in uh, Roseville uh, I got to be in band. Uh, my father operated heavy construction machinery, so there were winters when he didn't work. And when, I, and when they were coming around about being in band, uh, uh, it was like something I wouldn't be able to do until I found out that for a dollar for drumsticks, a dollar for a drum pad, and a dollar for the book, for three bucks, I could be in band. And if it hadn't been for, for that, we wouldn't be having this conversation today. Uh, but I got to be in beginning band and as a, as a, as a then drummer, uh, and uh, I really did not have good beginning and middle school uh, directors. I didn't go very far until the summer before I went to high school and I started taking private lessons uh, and then started moving faster. But in high school, uh, my high school band director was a wonderful, wonderful man, uh, Seraphim Mike who has been uh, a dear friend uh, since I first met him in the fall of 1960. Uh, so it's been a long, long time. And uh, he just passed away a couple weeks ago. And we've been in touch frequently uh, ever since we uh, communicated. We visited when, whenever we were in the area. But he was uh, the first that was uh, a master influence on the direction I would take. Uh, I wanted to be in music. Uh, and in college, I uh, did most of my work at Central Michigan University, uh, where my mentor was Jack Saunders, the assistant director, and he and I kept in touch for many years after. And the head director was Norm Dietz. And it was uh, from Norm Dietz that I learned in watching rehearsals as a percussionist, watching lots of rehearsals, uh, that I learned a lot about maximizing the abilities of those in front of you. Uh, they didn't have to be the best players going in, uh, but by working with them and giving them that right information, the end result could be wonderful. Uh, so it's making, it's making more out of out of the students than what they think they can do, giving them the opportunity to, you know, to go beyond and to excel. Uh, at uh, Central Michigan University, I had the opportunity to go on right after uh, my bachelor's degree and have an assistantship for masters, which I did, and then I was on faculty at uh, at CMU for four years after the 
assistantship. Uh, then was teaching in the Bridgeport, Michigan public schools for five years, uh, moved to Illinois, and did the last 23 years of my 35-year teaching career at Lake Park High School in suburban, suburban Chicago. And then, um, since then, since your retirement, I would like to go back to Lake Park, obviously, but um, since your retirement from the public school, what kind of activities or adventures have you been involved in? Activities or adventures? Uh, <laughs> uh, music educationally speaking. <laughs> uh, uh, I, after, uh, I call it my graduation from high school, uh, <laughs> retiring, I, I did a good amount of uh, judging around the country, marching band judging in the fall, uh, was writing for bands in various places, marching band uh, uh, music books, uh, and uh, teaching graduate classes, supervising student teachers, teaching grad classes, and I still teach grad classes now online, and have been doing it for like 15 years at this point, uh, and having students from all over the world in these, in these grad classes. Right. Wonderful. Well, um, I, I told uh, Jack that, you know, when we were thinking about getting guests on the podcast, I think one of the first names I mentioned was asking you. And I, I, I've shared this with you too, but um, the, I remember being in the Lake Park band room, you know, again, this is in 1990, and having see the students of Lake Park High School wearing their Lancer Band Royal Blue T-shirt and that they would wear that would be their undergarment for their uniforms and you had matching you know matching t-shirts and then each year there was a quote on it and I, I think maybe the year i was there or at least something that was being brought up a lot in the band room was excellence is its own reward and maybe i'd come across motivational quotes before in a different um you know, maybe through reading or maybe through a classwork, but that was kind of like the first time that I felt like I was hearing somebody talk about excellence and then watching it come to life. And I was really intrigued by that. Like that really stuck with me. And I, um, you know, so wish that I could go back and watch Ken Snook, the high school band director, and kind of help some of those memories kind of come back and, you know, some of those, <laughs> isms that you had and that that culture that you created and i would like to talk a little bit about the culture you created there if you could just give us a little background of where lake park was and then what lake park became and then we could use that as a um kind of our first step into talking about culture and then uh, we can go on from there so maybe what it looked like when you got there fast forward what was happening when you when you retired from high school? Uh, well, gee, it's a nice, small, limited uh, topic. Uh, it'll be... <laughs> this is the... <laughs> it'll be easy to cover that in two and a half minutes. Yeah, this pairs well with the Godfather <laughs> 1, okay? <laughs> uh, uh, well, when I started at Lake Park, uh, the band program had been large in terms of numbers, uh, but uh, had uh, 
changed at the point where I was hired in, at the point where the previous director left. There were some things that happened, uh, some of which I did not find, you know, I did not learn about until many years later when some of my students who had older sibs in the band before I was there gave me some of the information. Uh, but uh, when I started, the band was deteriorating, shall we say. That uh, My first experience meeting the band, the marching band in the fall, was having students uh, drop after every rehearsal. And that was after every single rehearsal until October, uh, where the right materials and have them ready for a rehearsal. And even before you could hand them out, they would be obsoleted by, by the changes. Uh, very difficult uh, thing to, you know, to work through psychologically uh, for me, for sure, and I would imagine for the students as well, uh, but persevered through that. Uh, I'm nothing if not tenacious. I, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow it through uh, and then figure out how I can make it better when I get to the other end. Uh, but uh, it was that issue of working through that and not, not giving up on the core, on the core values. Uh, and by the time we got to the end of that first season, the students who were left were students who wanted to be there, which was the most important thing. Mm. And that was the concept going going forward from that point uh, that that we make the, the most out of those students who wanted to be there that we could make them better Wh whoever was there we could make them better than when they walked in we couldn't do anything about the student who decided not to be a part of it we couldn't do anything about the empty chair all we could do was make the individual better than that individual was before uh, uh, the time that I started there was the same time that they made marching band uh, totally extracurricular, so the students in the in the concert band program did not have to be in marching band, which at the time I thought was going to be, well, I'll never have a really good marching band here until I really work through the, well, if I make it something they want to be a part of, then whoever is there is going to feel valued and is going to have motivation to want to be successful. So did that and built on that, uh, you know, we very frequently uh, moving forward from there did not have the biggest band in terms of the number of students, uh, but uh, we, we were the band that played really well and eventually I, I learned enough to know how to approach also moving really well uh, from experiences and friends I had in the drum corps activity. Uh, and we then had uh, a program that was, that was successful in that, uh, in that particular uh, milieu of the activity, uh, where from the time I started four years later, we were a finalist in a BOA regional in the fifth year, we were a national finalist. Uh, and by the seventh year, we were in the top five 
at BOA Nationals, and we were in the top five for 11 years in a row. That's quite a, that's quite a legacy of um, excellence. And uh, that's, that's just so wonderful to think about. You know, you, you said, I'm nothing but tenacious. Yeah, that caught me too. And uh, that kind of got us going. And then also that you, you happened upon that school for whatever circumstances, and that became, but that, you know, that, that school could have been a lot of different places, and maybe there were some things that were going your way or not going your way, but it was this that idea that you kept working your product and your yes. belief system and uh, tack and tack and tack and tack until you got to the next mark and then turn course, you know, and just kept going. And I think that's such a, you know, we're, we're trying to reach an audience that is probably largely music educators, but we like to profess that this could be um, applicable to a seventh grade science teacher. And we've also found that some people that are business leaders have been listening to our podcast. And I think that that skill of tenacity yes. is, um, not to bash on society today, because I'm, I'm sure that humans have always struggled with that, but like what a gift that you were able to share with students because they knew that you were gonna be there to finish the task yeah. and, and to not cut corners and that you were gonna do it to the best of your abilities. Um, and that, so that didn't become like an emotional struggle. That was just like, this is what we're doing. And it's like a gift because you're teaching that to your students, that you're teaching them to work past whatever's in their way and get after it and find the solution. I do want to um, backtrack to something you said, like you're talking about your your shows that you created for your marching band. And I just kind of wanted to translate this for our listeners who might not be marching band savvy. But basically what Ken is saying is that he would show up in, in the early years with his materials ready to go. And this was an after-school, completely extracurricular ensemble, correct? So you, you've already done your right. school day, and you've already taught, and this is after school. And you've diligently prepared I'm, what I'm going to call your lesson plan, a.k.a. you know drill and music, and you show up to rehearsal and find out it's not going to work. So for, for the teachers listening in non-marching band, your lesson plans that you've spent, what Ken has spent hours on, have not worked. Ken decided to go home and completely rewrite the lesson plan. Right. And and Ken, how many hours would you say that would take you a night <laughs> to edit the drill and the music to make it correct? Uh, from when I'd get home about 8 o'clock to about 2, 3 in the morning. So <laughs> you can do the math, <laughs> listeners, if you'd like, or you could maybe don't if you... Well, we found out <laughs> Ken was getting paid by the hour. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is why we, this is why teachers are salaried, folks, right here. Um, so, so Ken is working essentially a second full-time job when he gets home doing lesson planning. And Ken did not let that stop him. Um, so that, to say tenacity is a, it's an understatement, that, that, I that's, guess. That's, yeah, that is, um, that's not like some kid spilled a bottle of water in your band room. You know, that's like every day reinventing or rebuilding the house. Um, and... But, yeah, I was going to say that it's you know it's not as much after you know, after a while of you know of rewriting the lesson plan as rewriting the textbook. Correct, you're rewriting the textbook. <laughs> oh, what we're gosh. going to learn is what we're going to learn from is 
now it has to be changed. And then you have to adapt the lesson plan to the quote textbook. That you yes. Use, so that's even yes to the new materials. Right. You have right. to come up with a lesson plan for the new textbook. Right. So <laughs> exactly. So this idea of excellence with Ken Snook, I mean, excellence and, and dedication and and making sure that, as you said, the kids need to understand that what they're doing is not always their best and they can be pushed further. And this is a great example of you taking something and giving it to them so they can be pushed further. And you were always made sure that your kids had the best materials available to them for their success. And, and at the very beginning in, in this introduction, I, I hinted at this statement that um, problems are opportunities and workloads. And that, that, came, that is a Ken Snook original right there, <laughs> right? That, and, and Steve has shared that with me, that quote before, and, and he heard that from you. And I mean, my gosh, um, yeah. we're rewriting the textbook every night could be a problem, but man, did that turn out to be an opportunity for you and your band hearing your successes as you launched the program into BOA. Very inspiring. Uh, yeah, uh, no, obviously, obviously that you know that uh, problem did not last beyond the first the first year. Uh, you know, there were still things that had to be done that required extra extra work and time. Uh, but getting past that first that first year without giving up that was that was hard. Yeah. So it was uh, no, so it was a strong lesson for all of us. I'm I'm kind of curious, Ken. Like, um, as an educator, and maybe you could apply this to uh, a business leader or somebody that is looking over employees. But there's, as as far as like losing students or losing employees, you know. But in our world, student membership is obviously what we thrive on. As far as like we serve the students that are standing in front of us. And how did you come or how do you continue or how did you work with um, like a student said, well, I'm not sure I'm going to do this. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure you had some stories come to you like, I think I'm probably not going to do this anymore. I'm on the fence, you know, and, and how did you know when to pull or push, you know, or I mean, you must have had your. Um, emotions kind of toyed with because you thought maybe you had those two flutes coming back and then no they went to the movies instead and they're out so how did you know when to just say okay go your own way or was was the first year kind of unique that, that it just kind of had to prune itself actually the first year had to you know was you know as you said self pruning that uh, those who didn't want to uh, you know, had their out right there. Uh, you know, and there were a couple who came back after that, after they saw things turning and changing into, into being more positive overall. Uh, but later on still there, you know, there were always students who would be uh, dropping, uh, you know, not as many or as frequently as the first, but, you know, before band camp time, uh, you no, know, and you know, ones that say, let's say, for instance, that they didn't want to be in band anymore because it cut into their Saturday morning cartoon time. I didn't, I didn't bother 
I didn't bother hoping or trying to talk them into coming back. Uh, <laughs> that is not quite the culture of excellence, I would say. <laughs> uh, that, I figured that was a loss. That wasn't worth the effort. Uh, but those that were you know, good kids who, because they're, uh, maybe because their peer group had changed uh, or because of you know, some other factors, home factors and so forth, that made it very difficult. Uh, trying to you know, trying to find ways to make it work for them, because there was that part. Really, what they were telling me part of was that they really wanted to, but these other things were interfering with that opportunity. Gotcha. You know, so you set up with the section leader to have somebody go pick them up and bring them to rehearsal, kind of a thing. Uh, well, um, so one of the things that we wanted to also talk about was the. The um, one of our pillars of talking about is knowing your content. And as an example, uh, for those of you that are not an, um, uh, have not met Ken before, but during his tenure at Lake Park, Ken wrote the musical arrangements for the band. He also wrote the marching drill for the band, so the formations and the maneuvers that the band would do on the field and many times wrote some of the uh, percussion parts that so he's basically like in modern day um, it's common for competitive marching bands to hire out a drill rider hire out a music writer hire out a percussion writer hire out a front ensemble writer and ken um probably and got don't forget the show coordinator the show coordinator and somebody that picks the colors right so you, um, you kind of um, add a, you added some tools to your talent tra your talent treasure, and that you could, you figured out how to write for bands, and you figured out how to write drills, and so you kind of you went through a lot of growth as a young teacher to figure out how to do this, and I'm imagining that some of your colleagues down the road we're not doing that uh, to my knowledge there was only one other who who was doing uh, close to that and that was Greg Bim at Marian Catholic who would write his own uh, his own uh, wind arrangements and and drill for the band I get others writing percussion and doing the other parts but uh, yeah he and I were to my knowledge the only ones who were that involved with the preparing materials for the band. So, how did you how did you um, come across that, or what was the inspiration for that, or was it just part of that tenacious? Like you had a sound in your mind for the way you wanted the band to sound. You had a visual concept where you wanted the how the band to move, and you're like, I'm smart. I'm tenacious. I'm going to figure out, and you had some good college mentors, and you were involved in the Drum Corps International programs, and so you just kind of taught yourself? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, I never had an arranging class. Uh, I ended up teaching arranging class, but I, <laughs> I didn't have arranging class. Uh, but yes, I, I, tried, I experimented with some things. I, I wrote for the college marching band. Uh, wind arrangements for the college marching band when I was at uh, Central Michigan University. Uh, 
among my students, uh, or Paul Lavender, who, uh, who was my copyist. That, uh, for those of you listening, not involved in the music education world, that's probably the biggest name in arranging today. Just <laughs> Ken casually drops that Ken one. Ken just but that's kind of dropped one. that one out That's there. a big one. <laughs> yeah, Paul got into the business as my copyist uh, at the College Marching Band Arrangements. Uh, that was where it started. He obviously went much, much beyond and is much exceeded uh, uh, no, an early mentor. But uh, but uh, but yeah, we were involved in you know, in doing that with the college marching band, and at the same time, I was ghostwriting the drill for the college marching band. Gotcha. Uh, and then I was writing for other bands through various parts of the of the journey mm -hmm. along the way mm -hmm. but uh, you know the writing is something that I enjoyed actually I enjoyed writing the music and then being able to prepare it and I also then could make it really fit the students I had uh, and, and to provide challenge that was beyond where they were but achievable so they would get there uh, and adaptable to wherever the students were. Now, you made the comment earlier about tacking, uh, you know, the sailing uh, analogy, and that's really part of what we do is to, you know, is to try this, try that. Uh, you know, we go a number of different ways to make it work for each individual student in, in the ensemble. Uh, and sometimes to the point of where they have a, their own part that, you know, that gives them the chance to be successful. Uh, but uh, yeah, I in, in, enjoyed every every part of the music arrangement uh, writing uh, with the with the drill with the movement. Uh, it got so because of the timeline that that had to be done on with the crunch uh, on it that uh, it was not fun to do, but it was fun to have do, done it. It was fun to you know to look back on the on the finished product, even though I did not enjoy the process of, of getting there. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, typically I would be writing music up until you know, up into uh, uh, June, uh, finishing the music show. I'd take a week and go visit my parents in Michigan, and then come back and start on the drill with. You know, you've got that hard, you know, that hard due uh, deadline of, it's got to it's got to be ready for camp. So that's that's really cool to hear you talk about that. And, and as Steve was mentioning, we talk about knowing our content, but you're taking it to that next level of loving your content as you're talking about really like enjoying the process. Yeah. And you talked about knowing your students because you're creating the content not only to match your students, but one to make it so it's something that they will be achievable or they will achieve at and something that will push them. So you're hitting those two points and then I'm guessing that because you did those two things, you knew your content well and you knew your kids well, it made you a pretty good teacher when you had to actually teach the product that you created. Uh, I, could be, I could be very exacting about what the intent was there and about how to maximize the intent. At the same time, uh, th there was never anything that I wrote that I didn't change. You know, that in, the, you know, in the process of, of, of making it work uh, the most effectively that it, you know, that it could, there were always changes right up to the last couple of weeks of the season. Uh, 
uh, of always adapting the materials to where the students were. And sometimes it was taking out some of our favorite things to make, to make a texture have more contrast so that you know, the stronger parts would seem stronger because of having a, uh, made a change in what preceded so that there was more of a, more of a difference. I think one of the buzzwords they're using these days is um, assessment, right? There's like right. summative and formative assessment, right? And and you're you're using your assessment skills that whole time, and you're always adapting, not necessarily how you're teaching, but you're adapting the content to make it fit your group well and make it so it is, they can be the most successful musically speaking. So I think that's something um, good to note for our listeners is that you're changing, but it's. You're, it's due to your constant assessment of your group, and you're always wondering what you can do to change it to make it better. Kind of going back to your idea of being tenacious, I think that fits right in. Yeah. Well, that's the very that's the very important point is that none of us knows everything, uh, you know, and to and to and to listen to what others have to say, and uh, enjoy the criticism because that gets you thinking about about it in a different way. You know, why do they feel this way? I don't feel this way about it, but they do. What is it that causes, what is there about the performance or about the materials that makes them, makes them have this, this impression or, or that elicits this emotion that's not the one that we want to create? And that, I think, is a very important part of the, of the, of the growth for me as an individual is to you know, is to have the criticism and you know and and do the analysis of you know the self analysis what is there about this how can i how can i make it better so you know, and there's another part of it is that in bringing judges in for the for the event that we hosted i would always bring in a couple of judges who the previous year uh you know, had you know, had a very critical approach to what we were doing, so that I would get that that part of the input very early on in the season, so that I I and we with the rest of the staff could evaluate and incorporate a response to that. It's like asking your principals to come in and observe you more often. Right. Something for our listeners that might be a I did that. Yeah. I did that. I asked. I actually asked them to come in. <laughs> right. Wow. Did you have a department chair role at your time at Lake Park, or were you teaching like a normal teacher schedule, like one prep a day? I was. I, I was teaching throughout the day. Most of the time at Lake Park, uh, music was the smallest part of my day. Where the larger part of my day was teaching computer programming and computer applications. So I get okay. So you clearly had a full full uh, course load that you were teaching there. Um, I absolutely, absolutely uh, wall to wall. Yeah. So how on earth did you find the time to take care of all these things that you're talking about? I mean, obviously you're talking about rewriting the show, but even even away from the marching band season, you know, you're you're working with clinicians and judges coming in, and obviously there's lesson planning and administrative duties that took place too. But how did you find the time to just complete all those tasks? Being efficient 
and effective? No, if you only have X number of hours available to you, then you learn to use those hours much more e effectively. Uh, now, I'm retired now, so you know, time is like endless, and I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine how much I got done and how little time wow, back that's there. A great, that it that's was. a great quote, yeah. Um, I, I asked that question because I, I think of Dr. Tim who, who would say that time is the great equalizer for mankind, that everyone only has 24 <laughs> hours in a day. No, no, and when they turn the lights out at the end, it's over. <laughs> there you go, listeners. There you go. Um, so that could be, that that could be the Instagram thumbnail. Um, I, I just think I just think that's great to hear from you because um, I'm sure you have you've had students in your life, Ken, where you know you talk to them and you ask why they didn't complete an assignment, and they say, "Well, I didn't have time," and and I'm sure that just like makes you want to you know. <laughs> it sounds like fingernail scratching against a chalkboard, but you know, to our listeners, um, I, we do we do have students listening, and I, I think it's helpful um, to hear from somebody else out there that that there's time in the day that it exists, and we 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 won't ask our students to stay up till three a.m. to complete their assignments, but making sure that there is some like accountability with, as you said, being effective and efficient with your time. Uh, in the fall of the year, I, I didn't watch much television. <laughs> well, you're I made time to I made time to watch the Bears play on Sunday. Right, right. There you go. So, oh. so effective and efficient. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, um, you know, and then we're talking about these. Um, we're talking about these wonderful teaching skills and talent and use of time. And then um, also, and then, you know, your effectiveness as a teacher, Ken, and the, the thousands of lives that you positively impacted. And I know that you keep in touch with students in different generations and that have gone on to be music educators or maybe have not, but you have still keep in contact with those students and, but also, you know, that um, the soft skills of the, the, you know, the personal relationships, the emotional connection, the uh, insightfulness, the sensitivity, or the, just the gift of um, dedication that a, you know, a group of students saw dedication and earnestness from a, an adult figure in their life and a, a consistent figure in their life. And, it makes me think like when um, in that, that it stayed with me about um, thinking about my relationship with younger peers or students, but you said as far as student teaching at um, Lake Park that as I had mentioned that I would be doing everything you did, that was the expectation. But also every day at the end of our day together, whatever that schedule was, either at the junior senior building or at the younger student building, that you and I, you stopped everything you did and we had a conversation in the band room, just you and I. And yeah. you um, told me to keep a notebook, a notepad, a journal, and to write down um, observations, questions, you know, dreams, desires about music education, where do you want to go, you know? And every day 
you sat down and talked with me. And again, that was from July to December. That wasn't like a 12-week show. That was like almost half a year, right? Um, and But when the school year got going, like we did that all the time. And I have a notebook that I kept that I still have with those insights in there. But, you know, I'm, I'm one of many of your students that I'm sure that you offered not the same kind of insight, but certainly the same approach to those that were willing to learn and that came to love you or, you know, say, this person is offering me something, I want more of that, right? And I'm sure that's been a, you know, as you look back at students that you've, you know, you know, about that, you know, the student relationship part, which is pretty special, you know, especially, of course, we're biased in the band world, but, you know, <laughs> right, I mean, but you get to do some pretty, extraordinary things with students. You put in a lot of hours out of school time. You travel long distances. You do a physical activity that kind of gets endorphins going and you make these moments, right? And so I don't know if you could just speak a little bit about, you know, relationships or, you know, how, how did that play into it, the, 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 the student care of your, your profession? Well, there's another three-minute topic. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I can't help myself, Ken. It's like being at Golden Corral, you know? <laughs> you just have to go back for another helping. Yeah. There you go. Uh, no, but about, well, you know, students care is, you know, there's one part about being uh a teacher who the parents would think of as being demanding, you know, uh, nor, nor, or the, the parents coming back with the criticism being that your expectations are too high, uh, which I always thought was a compliment, but uh, <laughs> that I have obviously higher expectations for your child than you do, I think is what they were uh, <laughs> admitting to without knowing that. Uh, but. Yeah, but with that, uh, no, without uh, the human side of it, without the warmth of sharing, you know, the light moments and making sure that there's, you know, that there's a laugh, there's a grin, that there's something that, you know, that is a feel good, uh, you know, around that uh, exactitude uh, helps, helps to create the bridges. You know, you can be the taskmaster without being the ogre. Uh, that's good. I like I'm that. I'm going to wear that as a t-shirt. A, yeah. <laughs> a bumper sticker. <laughs> there you go. Uh, no, no, and one of, the, one of the things that you uh, uh, alluded to was at the end of the day, I, I would ask the question, what did you see? What did you hear? Yes. Uh, you know, that was the question. It's about you know, what was the observation uh, no, and, and what did you hear was the response to the observation. Uh, and in a way, there's doing that with the students in, in the regular class as, as part of that uh, knowledge check uh, or learning check. Uh, you know, did we learn something today really is the, you know, is the part of it. Uh, you know, so what was, you know, for them to, you know, to understand what was the point of, of the day and did they grasp the point of the day? Uh, 
no, or not returned, and no, and if it turned from from what the original intent was to something that was uh, indicated as more important at the moment, you know, that the lesson uh, adapted to the need of the the need of the class and the need of the student at the time, uh, for them to catch that turn and, and what was going on, and it was always gratifying the number of students who became very insightful with that. Uh, you know that, you know that they were looking for the lesson beyond the lesson. Uh, you know the things I learned in school that were the that were the unintended lessons, or were the you know, perhaps the unscripted lessons. Mm -hmm. you know, and those things about uh, about being uh, passionate about something, and and you know, and going for uh, the best you possibly can in whatever that field is. You know, you know, if you want to be a tattoo artist, you know, are you the best tattoo artist? Are you working at that? Yeah. Uh, you know, at times when students would come back and I'd ask them what they're doing, and they'd be kind of a little hesitant because they may think that you know they weren't they weren't uh, uh, a thoracic surgeon or you know they weren't uh, a lawyer uh, clerking for Supreme Court justice. Uh, and I did have some of those, but uh, <laughs> but you know, the doing that were, you know, were just as important, and being a good father or mother or spouse uh, you know, are just as important. And the lessons apply directly to all of those. Sure, sure. Well, what a you know what a wonderful you know testimony to how to how to lead your life, and then share what you have and share freely with others you know and um a sense of i think those of you that are listening to this talking to ken for the first um, time a sense of humility but also a sense of honesty and i think that's another thing that i always had had appreciated you know it was like yes means yes and no means no and i watched that <laughs> watch that in the i mean i watched it with myself as a 20 year old 21 year old college student but then I also watched you say that to students or your fellow staff members you know like no we're we're doing this and this is how we're doing it and um, I appreciate and it. why we're doing it mm. the why we're doing it is also is right. a very important part right so um, those are you know those are such strong gifts that I'm sure continue to um, go on you know in in your in your name and certainly and others but you know certainly that you have uh, made a significant impact in their life and so um, that's that's a such a great uh, testimony and it's um, I, I just love hearing about your you know looking to that theme of you know being the best you can at what you're doing and not because I told you to, but also I've demonstrated that for you. I've, I'm fighting the fight with you. You know, I'm re I'm reinventing yeah. myself and reinventing my skills to get to the next step. And I'm not just sitting there complaining. And um, so that's that's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Being able to model those those skills for your kids. I mean, that's huge. And and clearly that was kind of given back to you their effort levels were clearly successful based on what you've had to say about your program. So thank you for sharing those stories with us. That's yeah. great. 
So we're just about at the end of our time, Ken, and we wanted to uh, thank you for being a part of this and helping us, you know, what we found, Ken. And do I get a t-shirt or a cap or anything? Well, as soon as that merch becomes available. Yeah, listeners, right now, if you'd like to, uh, you know, throw some donos toward us, donations, yeah. um, we'll get some uh, some merch going yeah. ASAP. Yeah. We got you. We, we just could do a Chops Podcast hat. Chops Podcast hat. Chops Podcast GoFundMe. GoFundMe. There you go. Um, but, you know, um, in wrapping up, um, Jack and I have said that these discussions that we have decided to record these were things that we were doing anyway on our own. You know, we would do it in the band room after, or we do it in the van ride, or we do it in our office, and we would have these conversations, and we would be cracking up or turning over lesson plans or just reflecting, and we said we might as well just start recording this. So it's been, it's been a, a professional development for us. Yes. And then bringing someone like yourself in with your experience and expertise and passion that it's you know some of the best professional development that we could have is to be able to have a chance to talk with us so thank you for taking the time to do that thank you very much for inviting me i'm very very happy to be the inaugural guest yeah it's, a, it's wonderful <laughs> so um for those of you out in uh, podcast land we'd like to uh, thank you we have gotten to a thousand plays Plays. A thousand plays. Now we don't know how long they listen to it, but they they a thousand <laughs> plays, right? Right, a thousand and that's, plays. That's between Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So we would want to encourage our listeners if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to our channel. Also, leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Also, follow us on TikTok or on Instagram, which is Chops underscore Podcast. That's Chops underscore Podcast, and this is the end of this episode. I think it's yes. been a great afternoon. This has been great. And, and thank you again to Ken for being here. Um, and someday we'll find out why the reels are doing what they're doing. Yeah, we'll find out. Steve, Steve and I have talked. We have no idea why some reels hit and why some don't. So any insight you guys have, just throw it, throw a comment throw it our way. Okay. All right. So, so we'll see you um, same time next week, right? Next week. So on behalf of Ken Snook, thank you very much. We have to Steve Peterson. We have to Jack Nichols. We're out of here. Goodbye.